Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to New Hope Community Church. So good to be with you here today. If we haven't met before, my name is Justin Domino, one of the preaching pastors here. Just want to give you guys a warm welcome. So glad that you chose to come to New Hope on a beautiful day. It's amazing. Sun's already coming out. We will get hit with snow. I know it, but it feels good now. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18 is where we're going to be today. If you don't have a Bible, you don't own one, but you want one, we have a free one at our front desk. We would love for you to take one home today. That's our free gift for you. For being such a great book, they're super expensive. So take it home. We want you to have it. I don't know about you, but I'm a big oceans guy. I love going to the oceans. In fact, I have a picture of me and my daughter up here. Matthew will throw it up here in a second, but eventually. Uh, but I love going to the ocean. Here we are. It says nothing to do with my sermon. Just a cute picture. So just so you know, um, I love going to the ocean though, because it's so amazing to look at. When you look out at how big the water, the water actually is, it makes you realize how big God is. And to me, it's like looking at a fire. You know, you know, those fall night bonfires they have, and you're just so mesmerized by the heat and by the colors. You just can't look away. For me, that's the ocean. feels so good to just sit on a hot beach, toes in the water, looking at the water. feels amazing. But once you jump into the water, you realize it's a totally different experience. Now, as a 28-year-old man, I am still afraid of sharks. I know the odds of getting bit by a shark is like extremely low. I think you can win the lottery more times than getting actually bit by a shark, but it's terrifying to me. And the reason is you can't see under the water. It's gross. You can't see under it. There's stingrays. There's sharks. It's gross. I used to live on Skogman Lake, and I remember going out to swim in the middle of the lake on 4th of July, and I looked down, and I'm like five foot nothing. I can't even see my feet. I'm like, oh, what's down there, right? It just feels gross. When you get out of the ocean or you get out of a lake, you always need a shower. You never feel clean. Being on the beach is a lot better than being in the water, I think, sometimes. But as we talk about gossip, as we talk about gossip, I think many of us, are on the beach and not in the water. And by that, I don't mean that we don't participate in it, because we definitely do. But what I mean by that is, once you get under the surface of the water, you realize kind of how disgusting it is. And I think for many of us, we need to get under the surface of why we gossip. We've been talking about gossip for the last two weeks, and Pastor Bill did a great job Last week, talking about how, just straight up, it's sinful. Oftentimes, we call gossip the white-collar sin because it's very respectable, right? At least it didn't kill anybody, right? Respectable people do it. So we don't really think about it oftentimes as sinful, but it is. The Bible consistently, through Proverbs, through James, talks a lot about the power of our words and how gossip can tear people down. And so we know the reality that it is sin, but I want to talk today about why we do it. And it might get a little personal. For me, I wrote this sermon pretty much based on myself and why I struggle with it. Because two weeks ago when we were on our men's retreat up at Camp Lebanon, or Covenant Pines, I was talking to a lot of guys because I was kind of getting mentally prepared for my sermon on gossip. And so I was talking to people about it. And little known fact, pretty much every male struggles with gossip. It's not just the women. But there's also a common thread of why we struggle with gossip. It's not just that it invites a spirit of cruelty and punishment, which it definitely does, but there's reasons underneath the surface of why so many men and women today struggle with this sin. And so I want to go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verses 6 through 8, and let's talk about what Proverbs means and what we need to take from it today. Starting in verse 6, it says, The lips of fools bring them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. 
The mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. Here's our key verse. The words of a gossip are like choice foods. They go down to the inmost parts. Can you remember the best steak or the best burger you've ever had? To me, there's nothing better than a big, juicy, medium-rare, top-to-bottom steak. Nice little crust on the outside. You walk away feeling completely stuffed, but feeling good. This is what the Bible says that gossip is. Later on, you might feel guilty. It might even put you to sleep, might get the meat sweats, all that stuff. That's fun. But gossip is so similar. When you're doing it, when you're talking about somebody behind their back, it feels so good. Later on, you might feel guilty, but it feels so good. And this is what Proverbs is speaking of. It goes down to our inmost parts. We have to figure out what are these inmost parts and how is gossip affecting me? What these inmost parts are, it's talking about your heart and your soul. And what Proverbs is giving us wisdom about here is that gossip isn't just a problem of our speech or the way that we talk, but gossip is actually a problem of where our heart is at. How's your heart feeling? Is your soul healthy? Because oftentimes the reason why we are gossiping is because there's something in our lives that we don't like. And what's fascinating about secular culture versus religious culture is I was studying the two differences. I was Googling gossip and listening to some sermons and listening to some TED Talks from some non-religious people. And what's fascinating is every sermon you'll ever hear talks about how bad gossip is, how it's so unhealthy for you. It just breeds anger and discontentment in your life, and that's where it comes from a lot of times. But a lot of these TED Talks and articles that I was reading was all about how new studies show that gossip is actually really good for you. And I was like, what? I don't know a single person. I just read that headline. That's not true. So I opened it up, or I watched some of the TED Talks, and they're all about how gossip really puts you on top on the totem pole really gives you an opportunity to kind of tear people down and get people underneath you. And it talks a lot about survival of the fittest. If you go back to evolution and how you know, we became the prominent species according to evolution, survival of the fittest. We were bigger, bigger, faster, stronger, so we just came on top. And that's what gossip is all about. That's why it's good. And I'm reading this thinking, the goal of gossip is actually good, that we can tear other people down? This is totally backwards. And I want us to hear this because... There's different perspectives on what gossip is and how it's healthy versus unhealthy. The bottom line of the way of Jesus, I want to be very clear on this, the way of Jesus, following Jesus, is that gossip is point blank a sin and oftentimes comes from our own hearts. Most pastors, even myself, I'll tell you that gossip is terrible for you because it's unproductive and it's just not even worthy of your time, which I think is very true. But I also think it's very untrue. Here's why. Gossip is definitely unworthy of our time. But it also feels really good. It feels really good to talk bad about people that we don't like. This is where I think it's totally worth my time. <laughs> why? Because it gives me an opportunity to build up my own ego. I feel powerful when I have words of gossip to share about other people. Sir Francis Bacon, who's an old philosopher with a great name, so that knowledge is power. And if he's right that knowledge is power, 
then gossip honestly feels like a superpower because it gives me power and control over somebody that I don't like. It doesn't have to be true. It can be a total lie, but I can share whatever I want and it makes me feel better, gives me power over them. And now all of a sudden I can create enemies in their life. I can be an enemy with them and that feels good. But it not only creates power, it gives me an opportunity to project my own insecurities onto people. And this is where this whole topic and this sermon gets really personal for me. Because this right here is what I personally struggle with the most. And when I was talking to some men on our men's retreat, this was the common thread that I found between myself and other people when it came to gossip. It gives us an opportunity to project our insecurities onto other people. Here's what I mean by that. Most of us are on social media. This is not the only culprit, but most of us are on social media. So for hours a day, we're scrolling through Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, or whatever, whatever you use. And what do you see? Everybody's highlight reels. Everybody's life looks so much better than yours does. That's how it feels. Now, I'm a dad. I have a four-year-old daughter, just turned four last week, the, the cutest princess party you've ever been to. But over the last four years of being a dad, our, life, our lives have completely changed. We've become parents, and now we can't travel as much. We can't spend as much money on certain things because we've got a human that we're trying to keep alive. So there's a lot of responsibility with that. But what do I look at constantly? I see all my college buddies or my old high school friends, and they're going to Mexico. They're going to Costa Rica. They're going to, one of them got married in Austria. I'm like, come on. And so what do I assume? Oh, they're probably just going to be bad parents one day. And then I talk to my wife. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I talk to my other friends. Like, oh, geez, I don't think he spends any time at home. You know? What does that come from? I would rather be in Mexico. That's what it is, to be honest. <laughs> and I'm sitting here watching my friends go to Mexico, and I've got four years worth of Let It Go and other Frozen songs still stuck in my head. And all I can think of is like, <sighs> they must be a bad dad. <laughs> I'm projecting my own insecurities onto other people rather than actually dealing with my own problems, my own sins, and my own struggles. But it feels good, doesn't it, to be able to tear somebody else down? Oh, you think they have a better life than you? Tear them down, because I want their life. And we do this all the time, whether it's people going to Mexico, or it's they have more money, or they have a bigger house, or look at their kids. Gosh, their hair is always combed, and they're not wearing their PJs until 4 p.m., Gosh, they're good parents. I'm going to talk bad about them so I can tear them down. <laughs> this is what we do. So I think we have to realize that not only do we feel powerful, but oftentimes it makes us feel better about ourselves. Our own sins, our own shortcomings, where we wish we would be. This is where gossip becomes very productive. Because I can just make myself feel better just by making somebody else sound a lot worse than they actually are. And that's the problem. A lot of this stems from, from social media. But social media is highlight reels. Of course nobody's posting a poopy diaper that got smeared all over the wall. Like, nobody's going to post that. You don't know what that person's actually going through every single day. We can't compare our lives to other people's highlight reels. But this is often where gossip starts. And it starts with a discontentment about who we are. So I want to ask you a question that might be very personal, but how do you feel about who God says you are? Does your identity actually come from your faith in Jesus? 
Many times we're trying to find our identity in our work or in being a dad or in being a mom or in being an athlete. And none of these things are bad things. But when you put your entire being and you identify by your job, what's going to happen when you fail? What's going to happen when you receive feedback that you don't like? Turns into gossip, turns into hatred, turns into strife. You put your identity in being an athlete. What's going to happen when your playing time gets cut in half? Or when you were the best player last year, but this year it's like, I'm not getting any playing time. The coach must hate me. No, maybe not. But we start to feel things in our heart and our soul because we're attaching our whole identities into these things instead of what does God say about me and who am I? We are adopted sons and daughters of Jesus. This is what the Bible teaches us. When we place our faith in Jesus, we become God's adopted children. And that is a beautiful truth. And what do we know? For those of us who are parents in the room, what do we know about loving our kids? We're never like, oh, I love this kid over here because he's funny. Come on, be better. Be funnier. This kid is so much funnier. I love you less. No, it doesn't happen. We aren't loved based on how good we are, how funny we are, how many good things or bad things that we do. We're loved by God because we are his children. This is one thing I teach my daughter almost every single day. I don't love you because of what you do or what you say. I love you because you're mine. And this is the love that God has for us. It is not based on do you have more money? Do you go out every Friday night? Are you funny? Do you pray enough? Do you give enough? Do you do this or do that? God's love for you is based on not what you do, what you say, what you have. It's based on whose you are. You are his child. And to me, this is a big healing moment. Because I don't have to worry about somebody else's life being better and now I'm gossiping about them. But if I'm firm and secure in who I am, that I'm God's child, he loves me, that even though I'm imperfect, even though I'm not tall enough, I'm not funny enough, even though I sin all the time, God's love for me is greater than I can ever imagine. And that's how I can walk around with my shoulders back and my head high because I know that my heavenly father is deeply in love with me. And I want you to know that he's deeply in love with you. It's not that you're perfect. It's not that you're just this amazing person who needs to be put on a, a pedestal all the time. No, a healthy understanding is that we were made in the image of God. Genesis 1.27 says that he created us male and female. We are made in his image. Nothing else, not the trees, not the ocean, not the mountains, nothing else is created in the image of God but you. But I also want to say that about the person that you're gossiping about. Because not only do we need to understand that we are created in God's image, but the people that we hate, the enemies that we have, the people that we gossip about, these are people that God deeply and dearly loves. So I want us to understand today that gossip is not just a problem of our, our words and our tongue. Gossip is a heart problem. And it's a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem that, like I said a few weeks ago, needs a spiritual answer. We cannot overcome our sin of gossip by just trying harder. Now, that is part of it, right? You are the one who speaks your words. I am the one who speaks my words. Here's how I can stop gossip. I can just shut it. Just close my mouth. Don't speak. I am fascinated by 
by monks. Monks are very fascinating people to me. These guys, these men and women that, especially in like the third and fourth century, a few hundred years after Jesus died, they were so sick of society and culture, and they were so sick of their own sins, they moved out to the desert. Today they're called the desert fathers and mothers. They moved out to the desert to live with nothing and to live in total isolation, which I don't think is the answer, so I'm not encouraging that, but to live in total isolation. Why? Because they couldn't stop talking poorly about others, poorly about themselves. They couldn't stop sinning using their mouth. So you know what they did? They shut up and they moved to the desert. That's fascinating to me. But what that tells me is they take this sin so seriously. They take their sin so seriously. And part of it is on us. We have the ability to just close our mouths and not speak words of gossip. But what we really need true transforming healing in is in our hearts. As Proverbs says, our inmost parts, our heart in our soul. Because if we don't stop what's happening in our hearts, then we're not going to be able to stop what's happening out of our mouths. You can only control yourself for so long. You need spiritual healing and spiritual transformation that only comes by way of Jesus Christ. It doesn't come by reading another book, by listening to another podcast, although those are very helpful. It doesn't come by just when you're angry, you just go for a jog, although that is very helpful. But you need to deal with the root issue of why you are gossiping in the first place. And I think it's also important to look at our relationships today. I had a great question from one of our staff members last week of asking, what do you do when somebody is gossiping towards you? It's not gossiping about you. You're not the one gossiping, but they're the one talking to you about it. I was like, that's a, that's a great question. I was like, well, what do you think? What's your answer? And he said that I always say, can I quote you on that? When somebody tells something to me, can I say, can I quote you on that? And usually people are like, uh, no, <laughs> probably wouldn't say that to anybody else. But I think this is important to look at our relationships and how we deal with people and how we deal with gossip in the midst of them. Brene Brown is a famous podcaster and author, and she has a concept called the vault. And she calls what the vault is counterfeit trust. Counterfeit trust is when we build relationships based on mutual hatred, not mutual love. And this happens all the time. You know, as a Vikings fan, when I found out Aaron Rodgers came back, he's going to play for the Packers again this year, I was so bummed. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, although he can barely win a Super Bowl. Ten years ago, guys. Chill. See some Packers fans in here. So, But it was amazing just the other day they traded the best receiver, and maybe the best receiver in the NFL, Devontae Adams. The first thing I did was jump in a group chat that I have and say, oh, so glad Rodgers came back, but now he's losing all of his weapons. It feels so good. And then it was a whole line, a whole thread chat of just hating on Aaron Rodgers. It was just amazing. It feels so good. We have relationships based on mutual hatred. Now, I don't literally hate Aaron Rodgers. I just hate that he's a Packer. If he became a Viking, immediately he would be embraced by us all, just like Brett Favre. We know this. We know this. But this happens all the time in our relationships. We love to hate people. And if we found somebody that also hates the same person or just dislikes them, and all of a sudden we become friends because we like to gossip about that person, this is what we call counterfeit trust. And we call it counterfeit trust, and here's why. It's how do you know that that person isn't going to turn around and gossip about you? 
We don't know that. Because if they're willing to do it with you or you're willing to do it with them, how do we know that we're not going to flip around and do the same thing to them? Or they're going to do the same thing to you? What I think the fix is here is having relationships built on mutual love and not mutual hatred. And the Bible teaches this. In the book of 2 Thessalonians in the New Testament, there's a whole section dedicated to the ministry of reconciliation and how God brings enemies together, Democrats and Republicans together, black people and white people together, people at work who hate each other brings them together, people within church who have disagreements and arguments. By the power of Jesus, we can be brought together because what are we unified by? We're unified by our faith in Jesus. We might have disagreements and differences all the time, but what are we unified by? What is our relationship based on? It's based on our faith in Jesus, that he is our healer, he's our redeemer, and he's our transformer. And so I think that we need to not only look at our own hearts, but we need to reconcile in relationships and making sure that we are building our relationships, not based on mutual hatred and gossip all the time, but are we, are we finding things that we are unified and building relationships based on those? And I want to encourage this before we end. To me, this is a sermon that really makes me feel guilty. Every issue that I've talked about so far is something that I have personally struggled with. These are the reasons why I gossip. And I would imagine that at least one of them is a reason why you might gossip as well. But there is freedom and a different way of life. Like I said, God does not look down on us with disappointment and with frustration and anger and condemnation. No, as people created in his image who are adopted into his family, God looks at us with mercy and love and redemption. And so we no longer have to just try to shut our mouths and not gossip anymore, but we can actually be empowered by the grace and the love of God to be different people. You can only control yourself for so long, but what actually changes you is the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus. That is what empowers us to move forward. That's what empowers us to actually repent and change our ways, change the way that we live. It's not about just trying harder. It's about being loved and accepted by God and using that as an opportunity to actually be different. And so if you're sitting here feeling guilty today, your job isn't just to try harder and feel guilty and next time it happens, just feel like you're a terrible person. No, the job of Christians is to continue to seek Jesus, his love, his mercy, his power, and his forgiveness, and to move forward as different people. Jesus is the only thing that will bring your heart, your inmost parts. He is the only one who will bring you the freedom that you need. And our job as Christians is to come to him. And so I want to do that before we close today. If you have your communion elements, you can take them out now and get them ready. But before we take communion, I think it's important that we get right with God. The Bible teaches a lot about how to take communion, and it says that if you, if you have a sin that you have not confessed, or if you have some sort of issue that you haven't dealt with, that you need to deal with those issues before you come to the Lord's table, before you take communion. And so I want to give you 30 seconds. I know that's not a ton of time, but just for the sake of time, I want to give you 30 seconds just to pray quietly by yourself and confess any sins that you might need to confess today. And specifically the sin of gossip, if that's something that you struggle with. If you're sitting here today and you're like, fuck, man, I haven't gossiped in 20 years. And I don't think I ever will. Good for you. Right? <laughs> but if there's something else that you need to confess, 
this is the time to do it. So take 30 seconds, pray, and then I'll close this. Isaiah 53, 5 says, Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And it's by his wounds that we are healed. What brings us freedom is Jesus' body broken for us and his blood spilled for us. And so in symbol of Jesus' body broken, Jesus said, take this bread And take this in remembrance of me. And in symbol of Jesus' blood poured out for us, Jesus said, take this and do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you totally guilty, of so many sins, but specifically today, Lord, gossip. Gossip has taken a hold of many of us, including myself. And God, today I confess that to you. And as a church, we confess our sin together. But Lord, we confess because we know that there's freedom. We know that there's salvation and redemption only in you. And by your blood that was spilled out, by your body that was broken, Lord, we have now found freedom. When the wages of sin was death, Lord, you gave us an abundant life on the cross. So I pray today, God, that we can be different. Not only do we confess our sins every day and find freedom, but God, I pray that we can actually change. We can be redeemed. We can be made new because of your sacrifice, Jesus, on the cross. Help us every day to be empowered by your grace, not only to to speak differently and not to gossip, Lord, but to see people differently, to recognize that everybody is created in the image of God. Everybody has this inherent value that we need to understand so that we can love our neighbor as you have called us to love our neighbor. God, we put our trust and our hope and our salvation in you. We continue to come back to you every single day. You are God alone. We love you and we praise you. Amen.